Hello, and welcome to the Rebuilding Relationships podcast. My name is Carrie Vasquez, and I'm a relationship coach and strategist. But most importantly, I am a Jesus lover. I'm a wife, a mom to five children, and a grandmom. Each week, I'm going to be here with a guest or a message for you to help you love yourself deeper, fall in love again, and restore your relationships with God and others. Now let's get started. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Rebuilding Relationships podcast. Today, I have a special guest with us, the beautiful Alicia Carlson. Alicia is a non-diet lifestyle coach. Um, And this was so interesting to me when we first started talking, Alicia, because I don't really honestly think I've heard of a non-diet um, lifestyle coach. So I'm so excited to have you here with us today and we will just dive right in. That sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So Alicia, you are a lifestyle coach, non-diet lifestyle coach. You are a wife, an army wife at that, right? A mom and you are, um, just busy helping women live a life that they absolutely love. So tell me a little bit about that. Let's start there. What drew you to that? Yeah. um, I think for me, this idea of helping women create a life that they absolutely love really touches on so many different key areas, right? And that idea initially kind of came to me when I felt like for myself, I was busy trying to chase everybody else's idea of the lifestyle that I should have or the kind of mom or the kind of wife that I should be or um, the kind of fitness coach or, or things like that. And um, there was clearly like a disconnect because I always felt like I was falling short. I, was all, I always felt like I was failing or I was missing the mark. And I was because I was busy trying to live somebody else's idea of the the ideal life for myself rather than really looking at, for me, what would it take for me to really love the life that I'm living? And so that was really kind of where that idea was born out of is, you know, working with women to find their own kind of North Star, if you will. And then let's build your life kind of around that rather than you trying to fit into somebody else's mold. Right. Awesome. That's really good. That's great stuff because I think so many times, especially as women, I think that we, um, we kind of can get stuck in that place of kind of, you know, comparison, um, Mm -hmm. as we've talked about before, or we can get stuck in a place of thinking someone else's life looks so great. So let me just try to copy their life. Um, so I love how you mentioned, you know, just kind of finding your own, you know, that your North star and, and really then building your life around that. Mm -hmm. That's good. I like that. I like that. So, why and how did you get started in health and fitness? Tell us a little bit about how that journey for you started and why. Yeah. So um, I think like a lot of coaches or a lot of people that sort of go into the fitness industry, I think there are kind of two camps. Like you're either somebody who's kind of always been fit or you've always been sort of athletic and you wanted to help people. Or you sort of fall into the camp, which is where I came from, where 
I wasn't always fit. I wasn't always in shape. I wasn't always um, prioritizing my health and my well-being. And when I finally started doing that, I realized how much more confident I became, how just how much better I was feeling about myself and then the things that I would attempt to reach for um, versus, you know, being in that place where I wasn't comfortable in my skin. I just wanted to hide. I didn't want people to see me. And so that was really kind of what that was the catalyst, if you will, um, for changing careers from hairstylists, going back to school, um, and then pursuing the health and well-being route. Awesome. That's awesome. So, so what was your first, what did you first get started with in health and fitness? Were you, you were a health and fitness coach. How did you transition into a non-diet lifestyle coach? Yeah. So rewinding the tape a little bit, um, when I kind of made that decision to go into the health industry, I knew, and I don't mean this with any disrespect at all, but I, for me, I didn't want to just be a personal trainer, at least in my idea, my mind of what that looked like working in a gym, working with people one-on-one counting reps, those kinds of things. I knew that I was passionate about working with women and kind of going back to my own journey and, and that transformation of just like, what it felt like to invest in myself, what it felt like to take care of me and to, you know, be healthy, to be confident. I wanted to help women have that. So I went back to school. I got my degree in exercise science, um, heavy emphasis on wellness, coaching, nutrition, um, got out and fell kind of right into the mainstream health and fitness uh, coaching. So from a very mainstream messaging perspective, heavily focused on weight loss, meal plans, um, following the plan, doing the workout, and you should be getting the results. And so that was kind of where that started. But the transition, I guess, out of mainstream and more into that non-diet lifestyle coaching model um, came for me when about 18 months ago, when I was taking before pictures yet again. And I just remember like feeling disappointed in myself and seeing these pictures and just being like really just upset and thinking to myself, why am I taking before pictures again? Like if this is truly a healthy lifestyle, which is what I'm told that it is by mainstream messaging it's what I'm telling people, what I'm selling to people. Um, why isn't it working? Like, why do I have to kind of keep starting, keep stopping, keep starting, keep stopping? And it was just as clear as day, this message came to me that I've been dieting this whole time and calling it a healthy lifestyle. And so that kind of um, jumped me off into researching and looking up diet, dieting history, um, kind of the anti-diet movement, health at every size, intuitive eating, and all of these things. For me, it's a lot less about weight loss with people. Um, that doesn't necessarily equal health. And more just about um, teaching women and how to, how to take care of themselves and how to have a healthy lifestyle through behaviors. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. And I think um, as you said, so many times we get so stuck in the dieting and we do, we label it as the healthy eating or it's not really a diet. It's a lifestyle, we'll tell ourselves, right? And uh, I know that it's, it is hard. I never really thought about how, 
how many times do you take a before picture, right? That's, that was such a great point that you brought up. Or how many times are you like, I just need to lose those five pounds. Like how many women have been saying that forever? If I just lost five or 10 more pounds, then I'd be happy. Exactly. Or we get stuck in the motto of, I hear so many times, oh, those last five, 10 pounds are the hardest to lose, right? And then we spend so much time just really judging ourselves and so hard on ourselves. Why can't we just lose these last, you know, few pounds? Um, and, and again, we kind of even go back to, I know for myself, we go into comparison, um, you know, of how other people you see everyone on social media with, you know, the six packs or the bo- beautiful bottoms and all these things. <laughs> and, um, and then we get stuck in that, you know, wanting to look a certain way rather than just loving the body and the skin that we're in. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, not to get too far off track, but I think that this is worth mentioning. Um, I saw a while ago, like a couple weeks ago, this quote or this post on Instagram or something. And it was something to the effect of those last five to 10 pounds that you've been beating yourself up over losing. Those are the anniversary dinners. Those are the birthday celebrations. Those are, you know, all of these like amazing moments that we've experienced. Mm -hmm. And we're, you know, we're like so critical of these last five to 10 pounds, but it's like, if we flip that and we start thinking about, what was the joy that was experienced, you know, and would you trade those moments just to lose those five pounds, which honestly, you probably wouldn't even notice that much anyway. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a really great point. I've never heard it um, put that way. And yeah, like the memories that we create just around conversation and food and meals and family time And I know personally, and I know you can relate to this, um, and, and I love this topic. I always like to start with ourselves first, you know, because I think if we can rebuild the relationship with us and we can rebuild ourselves, because I think the reality is that so many of us are so broken down. Um, and we are heartbroken on some level or another, whether it's because of us ourselves and poor decision-making, guilt, whatever it is that we feel, or if it's outside sources, maybe just problems in our marriage with our spouse, in our jobs, whatever it is. Um, if we can always start with ourselves and rebuilding ourselves and believing in ourselves and just building our own self-worth and confidence, then it allows us to really go out into our other relationships and be able to rebuild and build those strong and restore relationships that we've probably lost, right? Because we've spent so much time um, kind of breaking ourselves down, which I think Mm -hmm. dieting really does on both mental, physical, emotion, on many levels. Yes. Um, Um. but I remember I, I started prepping for um, a bodybuilding, a bikini show, a bodybuilding bikini. Um, and I remember the, the holidays and just the so many moments where the family's around the table, everybody's eating and everyone's celebrating a birthday. And I'm eating, drinking water and, you know, maybe eating vegetables or something, whatever I, it was on my meal plan at that moment that I could possibly eat. And so many conversations around the, well, why can't you just eat this? Or why can't you have that? Um, and while my family had good intentions, 
it really just takes so much away from the moment, right? When we're so stuck on dieting and, and, and getting stuck on, you know, maybe our image that we really don't need to be worrying about too much, right? Yeah. No, I can relate. I did a few shows as well um, back in the day. <laughs> and so I've been there. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it was an interesting experience in that I'm so thankful that I did it. But it's also one of those things that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy because, you know, on the one hand, it did teach me a lot about discipline, a lot about commitment. And for me, I really needed to um, commit to something and I needed to believe in myself, basically. Like, could I stick to this thing for 12 weeks or however long? Um, but coming out the back end, uh, I mean, going into into it, I would say my relationship with myself and with food wasn't great. Um, just from years of programming, from media, from family messaging, and all of that kind of stuff. But definitely coming out on the back end, it was a whole nother ball game. Um, and I'm thankful now because it it has allowed me to help women that are dealing with disordered eating in a really extreme way. Um, but also like it was incredibly trying and um, it was actually kind of around that time period of my life that the relationships around me, primarily with my husband and I um, really took a beating as well. So why was that? Why do you think that that's a good point that you bring up? So the relationships around you were affected because you were so focused on on your dieting, on yourself, on your health, on your fitness? Tell us yeah, that. on all of it. Um, I mean, I would use the term health and fitness really loosely because looking at the behaviors um, really do mimic very close to anorexia, right? Like that extreme control and obsession with food, with body, with calories, the restriction, all of that. So, but yes, the, the extreme focus on myself, which is really what it was about, right? Like I needed to feel a certain way about myself. And I thought that having the dream body, having this body that was kind of societal's ideal was going to give me that feeling. And it, it, I was very selfish during that season. Um, and, and, you know, there's argument, I think now we are having that conversation about women investing in themselves and like the hashtag self-care isn't selfish. And I 100% agree with that. However, I do think that it can become pretty selfish, right? And so yeah. Yeah. you just have to kind of look at your heart and look at your intention and look at what it's producing around you. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. And, you know, and this is where I think it goes, it's all about balance, right? Mm -hmm. In our lives, because I believe, you know, like our bodies, you know, the Bible talks about our bodies being the temple um, and we're to care for ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So, so it's, it's like you said, you know, I completely agree that self-care and self-love isn't selfish because we are to take care of ourselves and our bodies. Uh, but there is that balance, right? Of, mm -hmm. you know, how much is too much. Um, and I think it kind of is across the board, the same thing with the dieting and, and I think like, and I know that you would agree, um, we've talked about this, you know, 
and it's not so much about the bodybuilding itself, the sport itself, because, you know, it's, it's like any sport, right? Mm-hmm. You dive in, it's, it's really a lot of it. It's so much about mental strength and dedication and discipline, which is, I know a lot of the reasons why I wanted to do it. Um, but it goes back to, um, the balance between, um, you know, when is it taking away from your life almost and destroying things around you Mm. versus adding to your life and enhancing your life. Right. Yeah. And I would say just with my own personal experience, that's a, that sport in particular is really, is a a tricky one (laughs) when it comes to, you know, how, how could you, how do you balance something like that? Um, and this might sound like a complete cop out, but in some ways I think it might be easier for men. Um, just because a a lot of times it doesn't seem like there's quite the dependence on the man as there is the woman in in the sense of like keeping order in the house and balancing everybody's needs and, and things like that. But obviously I'm not a man, so I don't know their their perspective or their opinion on that. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it it, it does come down to balance what, with anything in life. Mm -hmm. Um, I just would caution against this idea of balance being like going all the way to one extreme and then kind of going back to the other, you know, balance really is just kind of figuring out what do I need to give to all of these different areas of my life? It doesn't have to be equal, right? Right. But like, what do I, what do, am I choosing or, you know, where am I choosing to put all of that time and that energy? Sure. To keep things healthy and happy and thriving. Right. And I think to kind of go into and diving into the relationship um, with you and your husband, um, I think too, sometimes it has so much to do with, um, with your relationship in the sense of what you both enjoy doing. Cause you see couples that do bodybuilding together or that's kind of their lifestyle together. Mm-hmm. So that could be something that's completely healthy for them and balanced and they enjoy doing it. And it's not really breaking down their relationship, but you mentioned that, that kind of, that puts strain on your relationship with your husband um, tell us, tell us a little bit about that. How was your relationship, you know, broken down or, or stressed and strained over that? Um, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say it was necessarily just the bodybuilding that put our relationship under pressure. I was a full-time student. I had two kids under the age of three and then I was pursuing bodybuilding. So I think we were talking about beforehand, like doing all the things at once. And I am notorious for that. Um, you know, and then at kind of the same time, um, he's in the military, he was pursuing a degree, um, and he, he had toyed with the idea of going into bodybuilding, but I think because of us having kids and me being into it, he was just like, I, I just see the writing on the wall. Like this is going to be problematic. However, he did get really into powerlifting. And so while it's not maybe as much in terms of like, you know, really counting all of your food and things like that, uh, there still was a good amount of training. And so I think it was just the, we had enough things going on in our lives that were sort of separate from each other that kind of pulled us in different directions. Um, You know, a lot of it was very self-absorbed on both of our ends. 
um, things like that. And, you know, honestly, at that point in our life too, we had just moved. And so we weren't really plugged into a church community or things like that. And um, that is, was huge for us and is huge, you know, maintains to be kind of a big thing. And so spiritually we were unhealth in an unhealthy place. Um, and I think that really kind of opened the door for, <laughs> for things to happen. Sure. So how were you guys, how did you guys rebuild your relationship? Tell us a little bit about how you went from, you know, having a hard time in your marriage. Did you guys reach a point of almost divorce or, or any, you know, separation, any thoughts of that? How did you come back from that? So there was a a solid period of time where I personally felt increasingly distant from him. Um, I had, I hate to use the word fantasies, but that's the word that comes to my mind about kind of leaving um, and either taking the kids and just kind of starting somewhere new or leaving the kids with him and starting somewhere new, thinking that something on the other side was going to be better, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a lie that often we want to believe, whether that's in losing weight or whether that's in leaving your partner, is we buy into this lie that that thing will make it better. You know, if if I just do that or if I'm just there, then it will be better. But the reality is, is that you are taking yourself into every new situation, right? So a new relationship or a new body or a new job isn't going to fix something that's going on in your heart. Right. And so I had, you know, we just, I mean, physically, we didn't spend a lot of time together. When we were physical together, I was somewhere else emotionally and mentally just kind of checking out. I think at the time, it just seemed like, well, this is just our life right now. And we'll just get through, like, we just have to get through school, or we just have to get through this next benchmark, and then things will get better. But that was not really the case. I, he went out of town one weekend and um, when he came back, I could tell something was off with him and um, it took a few days, but he finally kind of opened up about some things that he had been struggling with um, on a personal level around porn. Um, And then also just that weekend away, something happening between him and another woman and I can't explain it other than just the absolute grace of God, um, which if you don't believe, then whatever you would attribute it to, it was, it was something outside of myself. Mm -hmm. I just felt hurt. I felt broken for him. I felt sad for him. Um, and ironically, like the thought of leaving never crossed my mind, Mm -hmm. but I, we really needed, I think, to kind of come to that ultimate breaking point in order for things to be rebuilt. Mm -hmm. You know, we almost needed a leveling, if you will, or just like a a serious wake up call. Um, And so it was really kind of at that point that things um, started to turn around and it took time. Um, I think for anybody that's been through infidelity or um, dealing with addiction, it's, there was a lot, like I was, obsessing about it all the time thinking about it you know what could I have done different or is he doing this again is this something I need to be worrying about um and you know here we are several years later and every once in a while some of those thoughts still kind of creep back up and Mm -hmm. um 
so, you know, I think it is an ongoing journey, but um, we definitely needed kind of that, that place, I think, for us to begin to rebuild. So how I can totally relate. So, you know, I was, my husband and I were separated for a year and a half. I had been unfaithful to him and I, I can, I can relate on the flip side in the sense of being the one on the receiving end of forgiveness, right? And what that felt like, right? So that was huge for me, which I'm sure for your husband, it was huge for him to receive that grace and forgiveness from you. What did that look like in your relationship over time? Like, how did you, you mention that sometimes it creeps in? How do you deal with that? How do you handle that when it does? I don't know that I have a, a great answer other than I pray or I kind of meditate on scripture. Um, I will say the one thing that this, that that situation brought out of or into our relationship was kind of this boldness or this courage from me to be able to just approach him with difficult things. I think prior to that, I was always kind of worried about walking on eggshells or making Mm -hmm. him upset or making him to feel like I didn't trust him or, Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, And I, I do think that experiencing that brought a closeness. And so you know, it's just kind of journaling it or being like, you know, what's, what's bringing up this fear or this thought and really trying to get to the source of that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I know that. And I think it's probably, you know, we talked a little bit about the difference, different things with men and women, right? I think it's probably different with men and women. Um, Even with that in itself, with the infidelity, I think as women, uh, we tend to you know, I was married before for 10 years and I dealt with, I dealt with being on the receiving end, um, of some form of infidelity in the beginning, but, and I would question myself, you know, as I think as women, we probably question, as you said, and try to figure out what went wrong and and when it went wrong and how maybe we could have changed or done something different. Um, I think for men, it seems, um, their thought process is different around it. Right. Um, and I know I remember having a conversation with my husband, uh, you know, every now and then he would, he would ask me, he would say, you know, do you think you could ever, um, and I'm one to always say like, never say never, even though I want to say never, ever, ever again. Right. Um, and, but I say like, it's only, you know, as you said, by the grace of God that. I, that's not where I ever want to be again Mm -hmm. Uh, and protecting your heart and protecting your thoughts. Um, I think you had mentioned earlier, well, about, you know, living in your head and the fantasy of, um, you know, it's looks better on the other side, but it's so true. Like you said, you know, you take your heart wherever you go. So your heart issues are going to be with you. You know, you're taking them with you into Mm -hmm. whatever situation, whether it's a new diet. (laughs) Yeah. you know, or a new relationship, um, it doesn't change if you're not looking at the core of who you are and why you do the things you do. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's going to be a cycle, you know, repeating itself all over again. Um, so yeah. And, and I love how you mentioned some of the coping skills that you used in, you know, you use when it does, um, when you are kind of tempted to worry or think about that, um, about that possibility of it happening again. Um, 
I was actually in church a few weeks ago and the the pastor who was speaking, he said, it stuck with me so much. I wish I, he was a, um, a visiting pastor and I just moved, you know, back to New Jersey from North Carolina. So we're still kind of figuring out where we're going to be with church. Otherwise I would say who the pastor was, but he said, if when you replace your worry with worship, then there's no room for worrying. Right. Mm-hmm. And that has been sticking with me. Um, and that's exactly what you mentioned, you know, when, um, and I think that that's what we try to practice too in our relationship, that when we start to worry, let's just get into a place of prayer and meditation and replace that worry. And then um, it really does help. Um, mm-hmm. And it helps us get through those difficult moments. Well, and the reality is, is that worry doesn't change the outcome, right? Like mm-hmm. if something's going to happen, it's going to happen regardless of if I'm worrying about it or not. Um, and even if, if I'm talking to him about it all the time or I'm beating, you know, like always questioning, always asking, like that doesn't give me control over the situation. Yeah. And so looking at what do I have control over? I have control over the things that I think about. I have control over the things that I choose to believe are true. And one of the things I believe is that if I was brought through it once, if something were to happen again, whether it's in that situation or any other variety of tragedy, um, like he will bring me through it again. And so it's, it really does just come down, I think, to choosing what are you going to give real estate to in your mind. And for me, it's not thinking about or worrying about all of these things that could happen. Mm -hmm. It's just, okay, what step do I need to take right now? Yes. Yeah. One moment at a time. I love that you, you say that, you know, and I, the one thing that I did say to my husband one time, and I think it was maybe a year or two after we had you know, reconciled and we were, we'd been, um, thank God we've just been in such a great place, not without problems. Like nothing is perfect. You know, we still get on each other's nerves and argue and, but it's so, so different. Um, so I'm so grateful for that. But, and I, I remember the time that I actually said to my husband and I was in a really bad place at that time that he asked me and I said to him, um, you know what, honey, I'm sorry but right now your insecurity is between you and God. It has nothing to do with me. You know, I've recommitted to you. I, it's not, that's not where my heart is. And in that moment, I knew that I was struggling with something and I was like, the last thing I can do right now. And I think this is so important for us as women and wives and moms that we recognize those moments that we need to be you know, filled and that we need to recharge because sometimes we continue to kind of try to recharge others and try to, you know, fill others up and we're on empty Mm -hmm. and then we don't want to be bothered. And then we're, you know, having attitudes or we're just responding in a negative way. And those, like those things over time are breaking down the relationship. Right. Right. Um, so, I was, well, I was grateful that he received it really well, but I just knew in that moment, like, I can't reassure you and refill you yet again. And I was so sorry that I had even, you know, made the choices that I had made. But at the same time, I believe that the enemy wants us to live in guilt and condemnation, Mm -hmm. right? So sometimes like being careful that, 
um, we don't allow that to like creep in because, right. Cause then that just starts to break us down. And it could be, again, like it could be guilt around food. Like, oh my gosh, I had that ice cream. I'm, I'm so terrible, you know, mm-hmm. um, which I actually want to loop back around. It's so great how I think <laughs> all over the place with this. Cause I'm like, oh, I could ask so much. Cause it really like just all circles around each other. Um, our relationship in our, you know, marriage, our relationship with food, because I have known myself to be an emotional eater and thinking of the guilt thing and how, you know, I think it's so important that we draw that line and we're like, you know, Hey, you know what, this is not healthy for me to feel guilty. So how do I eliminate that guilt? You know, how do I not go overboard and eat, you know, five burgers, but I had one. So like, it's all right. Let's tell me a little bit about the, um, how do you not go into like emotional eating or, or how do you help people heal that? Cause they could be struggling in their relationships. And then what do they turn to? I know for myself, many times I have turned to food for comfort. Yeah. That used to be kind of my go-to. Um, I would put the kids to bed and I would kick my feet up in front of the TV with Bravo and usually like a huge bowl of cereal or like a big bowl of something. Um, and that was, I'm sure, I mean, stress and emotional eating, I think are very tightly connected, right? If you're feeling stressed, there's certain emotions that you're experiencing. And so I actually have a little mini training that kind of walks people through emotional eating. But basically one of the tools that I teach to my clients is this idea of like finding the trigger, right? And so um, you kind of, you just sort of look at, okay, and you want to do this when you're not highly emotional, when you're not stressed out, you don't want to try to figure this out right after you've just binge ate. Your, your way through a ben, ben and Jerry's pint. Um, you want to do this when you're kind of calm, emo, not emotionally charged, really just kind of in this neutral objective place. So um, I would look at, for example, I would look at the last emotional eating episode that you had. And I would ask myself these questions. Um, what was I feeling? What was I thinking? Who was I with or who was I with prior? What was I doing? So you kind of run yourself through these questions, right? And the goal is, is that you want to try to find the trigger. So for some of us, it might be talking to a coworker, a specific coworker. It might be um, having to go to a family barbecue and having to kind of put on this false sense of who you are because you're afraid to show who you really are. Um, So the idea is to find this trigger by asking yourself these questions and you might have to go back a ways and you might be like, oh my gosh, this was actually something that happened last week and it's just been slowly building Mm -hmm. to the point of breaking. So um, one thing to do is, is to find that trigger. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing in terms of like guilt and shame around food, one of the biggest ways that we can combat that is by removing the labels that we give to food in the sense Mm -hmm of how we have these quote unquote good and healthy foods. And then we have these bad, you know, sinful foods, right? Mm-hmm. How many times have we said, Oh my gosh, I'm being so bad. I'm having like a second serving of cake or whatever it is, or I'm being so bad. I'm eating a milkshake and I'm not having the salad or I didn't work out today. So it's just really listening. Again, this kind of goes back to the thoughts that you're thinking and the words that you're using, Right. 
But once we kind of neutralize food and we realize that it's all just food and it really runs on the spectrum, right? So you have some foods that are maybe worse and some that are better, but all foods will essentially provide sustenance, right? They'll provide the basic calories, the energy that your body needs to run. Some will provide more nutrients, you know, whatever, but also kind of looking at it outside of just what it is physically providing you. Cause this kind of goes back to that, those five to 10 pounds being those amazing memories that you've made. Right. Like sometimes the best choice that you could make would be to have the hamburger because that's something that you really want. Right. And not beating yourself up over it. So find your trigger um, and then neutralize the idea around food. Mm-hmm. Kind of my two big thoughts or processes that I teach my students. Yeah, that's awesome. I've never really thought about it that way. And being that I have been an emotional eater for so long, I should—I shouldn't even say. I don't even claim it now that I still currently am. Although I think sometimes when you, I don't, you know, I haven't really read up on, let's say like eating disorders and things like that. I think it wasn't until I was older that I started to realize when things were hard, I just want to eat, you know? Um, And, and I, again, started to realize I want to eat until I'm almost feeling sick to my stomach because then, okay, I can take away my mind, my thoughts from whatever's going wrong now it's kind of like that self-harming, self-hurting. Um, and I know that I've had that tendency, but it's great that you point out that you say, you know, what's your trigger? Um, I love my family and I'm sure my mom will listen to this and be like, why did you say that? But my family's that family, which I'm sure a lot of people have this, where you go and you see them and either they go, oh my goodness, are you eating? Or oh, look at you. You've put on a few pounds. You know, how much weight have you gained? What size are you now? You know? And, um, and I, as you were saying that I realize how those situations, I either sit in those situations. I do one of two things. I don't want to eat in front of them because now they're thinking, oh, she's eating a lot. Or, I just eat in front of them and like have this because I tend to be the rebel when I get upset, right? Like, I don't care what you think. I'll eat whatever I want. And then I might, and then I'll overdo it because I'm in that emotional state or that emotional moment. So never really thought about those triggers. So that's a really, that's a great point. And I think it's worth mentioning too, because you're definitely not alone in the fact that your family talks about your weight or your body or each other's weights and each other's body, like it's commonplace. Um, You know, that is definitely a very cultural, very societal thing. Um, And truly, I believe like the, the focus on weight as a measure of health, Mm -hmm. right? Because as long as we're trying to lose weight because we want to be healthy, then it's fine. Right. But it's, it still is just that idea of like, my body essentially isn't really any of your business, right? Unless yeah. I invite you in into the conversation. Yeah. Um, and so depending on your relationship with them, you can just set boundaries and say, you know, I respect your thoughts. However, like my body is off limits when it comes to comments and conversation. Yeah, that's a good point. I have noticed, um, and I actually had this conversation with my family, 
I've noticed how our conversation around our body has affected my girls. So Mm -hmm. having four girls, I know you have a daughter. um, It's I, now I have girls that I'm trying to, you know, desensitize or reprogram because I see them going, Oh, I'm so fat. Oh, I need to lose weight. And and then it breaks my heart and I'm going, you're beautiful. Mm -hmm. But you know, the reality is that I have not only have I spent the years, um, doing it myself, you know, in a sense, in essence, I've taught them that, that Mm -hmm. behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I really had a wake up call when my 11 year old was saying, I don't want to eat that cookie because I'm gaining weight and I need to lose weight Mm -hmm. or I need to exercise. And again, just broke my heart. And so I have really, I want to say just recently have been changing. Like you said, we need to change our words around and have a different conversation around food mm-hmm. and what we're saying mm-hmm. because we really start to create unhealthy habits within ourselves and then with our children. Yeah. Um, you know, that image and the, and, and, you know, and it's just sad because, you know, it turns into so many things, you know, and, and we won't go off on the tangent, but it goes into the dieting. It goes into plastic surgery. It goes mm-hmm. into that I want to change this and that and this and that rather than learning how to just love and be comfortable with the skin that we're in. And that really is kind of the heart behind the, the reason that I do the work that I do is I feel like each person, but each woman, because that's who I work with, has a specific purpose that they were created for. Like you were created to be a specific woman And you can't do that if you're not taking care of yourself, but you also can't do that if you're too worried and too obsessed with having this societal ideal, right? So again, it goes back to finding your happy medium, right? Like what is the amount of time that you need to spend exercising so that you're alert, so that you have energy, so that you are healthy and you're well, and you can take care of the stuff that matters to you, but isn't so much that it's actually taking away from you, right? It's taking the mental energy in this space. It's taking the energy, it's taking the time. And so it's, you know, it's really working with each woman to kind of find their own happy medium. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. What would you say are, so we'll start wrapping up. I could really ask, you know, go on and on with asking you questions about this. Um, I love this topic. Uh, because I think it's so important, our relationship, you know, with ourselves and food, and it really boils and like, it goes into all areas of our life. Um, What would you say are maybe like four uh, important building blocks in rebuilding your relationship, you know, whether it's with food, with your hubby, with yourself, Hmm. Gosh, like there's so many. And I think it's, there's so like so many different ways that that could go. Um, I think one that kind of covers all of it is having grace and compassion. So with yourself, with others. Um, I think another one is giving the benefit of the doubt. So don't be so quick to jump to the idea that so-and-so is out to get you or, Um, even that you're out to like get yourself or something like that. 
Um, the third one, I think, is to approach all of it kind of as a practice, right? So it's not practice, it's not pass or fail. Um, we just get to kind of show up and just try again, just mm-hmm. keep trying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think kind of the last one is to really, and this goes, I think, full circle back to kind of the beginning is really getting clear on what it is that you want, right? Like, so who are you? Who are the things that you kind of feel like you have to hide or you have to tweak or you have to not be, right? Like, what are the things that that woman wants in her relationship with herself, with food, with her partner, with her kids? Um, Looking at those things, getting really honest and going after those things, unapologetically just showing up as yourself. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Those are great. So grace and compassion, the benefit of the doubt, having that practice. I love that. And clarity on what you want, what you really want in life. Those are great. Thank you so, so much for being with us. Tell us how we can get in touch with you. Tell us a little bit about um, your program. You know, what is it that, how can you serve um, our, our community, our tribe here. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, this is always kind of a fun topic to talk about, even though it's a little bit hard sometimes. Um, if you want to kind of learn a little bit more about me, just sort of what I'm about, um, you can either check me out on Instagram. I'm at Alicia Carlson underscore, Um, you can check out the website. It is going to be going under, um, revision here pretty quick, but it's just aliciacarlson.com. And if you go to my Instagram page, the link in my bio will take you to my emotional eating, um, mini training that just kind of walks you through, um, just very basically kind of how to start working your way out of that. Um, so that's kind of what's going on. And I am launching my first group coaching program, which is exciting, uh, nutrition and fitness. Um, but really, you know, starting kind of with the building blocks of the mindset. So we've got that launching, um, here in less than a month. So super excited. Um, Yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait. Well, thank you again so much. And I will probably need to have you back because I think I still have questions for you (laughs) for the sake of time. We will end here. And thank you again so much. It's been such an honor to have you on the show. Thanks so much, Carrie. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Rebuilding Relationships podcast. I hope that I have served you on the highest level. And if I have, please be sure to share this episode and give me a great rating on iTunes so that I can continue to serve you and others. For more information about me and my services, head on over to my website, www.passion4visions.com. My heart is always to serve you with much love. Have an amazing week and be sure to head on back next week for another amazing episode. Please understand that anything shared on my show, the Rebuilding Relationships podcast, is intended to give you tips, tools, and strategies to help you transform your relationships and your life. While I am a certified coach, I am not a licensed therapist or a doctor, so please be sure to seek professional medical advice when you feel necessary. Take care.